Good morning, Todd. Morning, Nick. Want to tell the story about how I came in like a like a like a diva all tired. <laughs> your Tim Hortons and you're tired and late. I, I got to eat, Nick. I got to okay. take a break. <laughs> I have to take a break after I eat before I do the thing. That's okay. Well, you just woke up, so it's all good. Yeah. How was your gig on Wednesday night? Because because this is um, tonight. Oh, how was it? Yeah. When it's because it's Friday now, right? I guess when it comes out, it's Friday now, so I would have played by that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no. So we we're recording this on Wednesday, March 29th, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I got to work, which sucks for me. But um, for people who missed it. Do you want to talk about the it? The show is great. Yeah, there's uh, we're playing with the band tonight uh, called Five Alarm Funk. They're tremendous. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. they're a huge band. They're a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Looking forward to the show. Um, it's going to be funky. So I, I can hear the differences in Vintage Playgrounds music to Five Alarm Funks, but I know together it's a really good show. Yeah, we're we're more of an old school like frontman James Brownie kind of band where they're just like a big like. Ensemble, jazz, experimental, cinematic. Almost. Yeah, I don't even think they have. They have very little vocals. It's basically all instrumental that they do. Yeah, it's kind um, of like average white band. Have you ever yeah, heard of them? yeah, but more excited, more. So last night we were brainstorming a little bit of what we want to talk about because we're a very on the cuff kind of podcast. Uh, yeah. We were talking about um, Michael Bay, yeah, and the new Transformers and Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So you're getting caught up on Stranger Things. You haven't seen Stranger Things yet, right? Or you just finished Stranger Things? I just finished episode eight last night. Right. Like I watched two episodes in a row. Like during the week is one thing. Like I can burn through a few hours of something on the weekend, but I'm not really paying that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. But when there's a show I'm into, even if I want to get to sleep, like I'm, this is after work we're talking, I work afternoon shift. Um, if it's a really good show, like The Away was, like Black Mirror was, or is, um, Stranger Things fell right into that thing where if I start an episode and I only have half an hour to watch something before I need to get to bed, I'm going to watch the whole episode because yeah. I'm I'm sucked in, I'm locked in, I'm invested in this story. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I know I spend almost more time now looking at all the little details when I watch Stranger Things. Like I had that bike or I remember that kind of TV, you know, yeah. those sweaters are really popular, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they did a great job in that kind of detail. Like, and yeah, like the fashion and the things in, in the, the series aren't necessarily based on the eighties or that year in general, they're based mm-hmm. on films that were made then. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of research probably done into like, or people who were there or kids in the eighties themselves that are working on this now took details from their own lives, mm-hmm. put it in, but you know, at, at first you're in this ride because it is for that nostalgic factor and uh, nostalgia of film because they're boring from Stand By Me and yeah. with the kids. And then you have the, the more investigative Stranger Things kind of show with the adults and the 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 cover-up versus the paranoid person, right. kind of like Close Encounters. So all these things are culminating in this thing. But... By the time you're finished watching the series, it's got its own soul, too. Yeah. How many episodes are there in the season so far? Eight. So the, so you're you're all caught up then? Yeah. You've finally seen the last episode? Okay, sweet. So what do you think is going to happen second season? What's your predictions on uh, where they're going to take it? Well, I there's that thing of the chief being taken away by the group because he made that deal, and that's mm-hmm. why they let him go, even though... You see the people who run the show getting killed, so it's like, who's running the show? Is it not? Is it not 
Matthew Modine's character, right? He's, or Papa or whatever. His, he's like a doctor that, yeah. Um, and then they re- they release him and Winona Ryder so they could do their thing. And then you see him get in the car. And then, of course, you see him back out in the world again. Yeah. What, what deal did he make? Why did he go back with them? Yeah. What, what did he do? And then he puts a deposit box sort of in the ground. Uh, he puts some egos in it. Right, for yeah. For 11 who, scene. So this is all coming back to me because I watched it when it first came out. And uh, yeah, so, and I, I'm kind of forgetting. I should watch it again just before the next season comes in. You said the next season comes out Halloween, right? So yes. they're, they're, they're going to release season two on Halloween, which is cool. And Holly Bobby Brown, I think that's her name. Yeah. Whoever played Eleven, I think that's her name. Something Bobby Brown, which is just funny when you think of Bobby Brown. Um, amazing, amazing actress. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, she's only 13, year old, 13 years old, and she's acting on a level that most child actors who stay with, the, with TV series don't actually get good at acting until they're in their late teens, or not at all. Like, I, I, I've been watching the show Weeds. Yep. And the kid who plays Finding Nemo, who's the little boy in Weeds, he's good for Finding Nemo. But I don't believe him in anything that he's done on Weeds. I say Home Improvement. It's like the kid from Home Improvement. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the young one that was like supposed to be like all the rage? And Jonathan uh, Taylor Thomas. John, yeah. And then uh, he did the voice for Simba. Yep. And then uh, I, I don't think he's done anything since. I think he kind of quit and went on to do his own. I think he's directing now. I could be wrong. But I, I, think, s- I think he's now behind the scenes. There's a million shows that I don't watch that yeah. are all investigative shows. And you'll see like a lot of people's names. Where are they now? Oh, mm-hmm. they did an episode of this or that. And I think I saw Jonathan Taylor Thomas play like the crazy boyfriend in one episode of the oh, wow. show. Nice. And I was like, oh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Crazy. So hopefully, yeah. I hopefully like the kids from uh, Stranger Things are, are uh, yeah, they're definitely all very talented. You know, I think yeah, they're all sure. very, I mean, it's, it's tough to have a, like a, all kid lead cast without it looking cheesy or feeling cheesy, but they yeah. do a really good job of, of carrying on that standby me kind of Goonies Goonies. Yeah. Goonies was a good, but look at how many people came out of Goonies that went on to do mm-hmm. so many other things. Right. Like that was, what else is there? Like the lost boys. Like there, there's, yeah. there's so many great things from our childhood that, that stand the test of time and yeah. start kids and stranger things. Um, the kids are one of the main components. Yeah. It has like two or three main components. There's like the grizzled police chief, mm-hmm. the paranoid, drunken grieving mother. mom, yeah, drunken, um, and then there's the kids, and and then there's also that teen thing, also like the dark Breakfast Club kind right, of thing, yeah, uh, with the girl and the, the the guy she's dating, and then he he ends up being like, oh, I have a moral system, and he abandons the jerks that he hung out with to be me, yeah, and like, whoa, and the monster, like it, it's so good. Have you seen the new Transformer trailer lately? I haven't seen it at all. Check it out because uh, Nerdist had a thing about how Michael Bay is literally ripping off uh, a ton of other movies now to make this film. And one of the things that is heavily influenced when you watch it is Stranger Things. It's crazy because if you watch the trailer, they have that crazy synthesizer sound. It's a cast of kids that they're really pushing. Um, it kind of It's kind of pulling off from that whole Stand By Me 80s kind of thing. So it's very interesting to see how Michael Bay is taking the whole Stranger Things fad and kind of running with it for this movie. And I'm, I'm curious to see. And, you know, as much as I love Transformers, I can guarantee you this film is going to blow. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I can't believe Paramount keeps giving... They should redo Transformers again, which is such a... 
I don't know. It's very clear that Michael Bay does not like Transformers, and he's just kind of doing whatever. Well, how, if if he did at one point, how can he at this point? At the same time, he made you a lot of money, Michael Bay. Well, yeah. I mean, the film still grows to read a, like a shit ton of money, right? Yeah. That's why he keeps doing it. And every film, he says he's going to be the last one. And I get really excited because I'm like, oh, finally, somebody's going to take it in a different direction because he's kind of pigeoned himself, pigeonholed himself now into this kind of futuristic style, genre kind of um, Transformer thing that's, you know, if you're an old school Transformer fan, it's definitely not familiar anymore. Like, he kind of pulls elements, but, you know, like in the last one, I was excited about the Dinobots, and then what, they were in five minutes, and the, the storyline was so weak with that. So he should just, they should just stop it and get somebody else, or, you know, you know what would be cool? Redoing the 1986 Transformers movie. Like yeah. live action, that would be pretty sweet. Um, that was pretty fantastic. The first Michael Bay one was all right, but even the newer cartoons that they've done for Transformers don't yeah. really do the show, show justice. Like cartoons, apparently, can be made for really cheap. Yeah, I'm surprised of all things that Michael Bay wouldn't want to rip off the original Transformers. Yeah. instead of <laughs> oh, he made it very clear like he hated the original storyline, so he's changed and pulled from all over the place and just made like. Well, isn't know. that funny? Because Transformer fans, like true Transformer fans, kind of hate you a little bit now, Michael Bay. Yeah, and it, well, even like when you watch like the second one, like it's a very, very. I mean, besides the the animation and the the graphics, it's a shoddy movie. Like you see how it's edited. Like there's yeah. scenes where you know make no sense. There's no you know why is this Transformer here and yet he's in this battle scene over here that's supposed to be happening at the same time. There's no, and then continuity. Marky Mark's Transformer movie, the CGI sucks, and it's made years after the first one, which did a much better job with yeah. the CGI. It's just, it just feels like, yeah, you can cookie cutter, rush out, going to make like a billion dollars and move on. Get a guy and a hot girl and CGI and we got a movie. Yeah. And Let's- so like when I watched the trailer and I'm, I was watching, uh, you know, the whole dialogue based around the girl like 11 yeah um it's a you know it starts off with like four or five kids like do you want to see a dead robot you know and you kind of get this journey of these kids which we've seen now um thanks to stranger things and yeah. movies like stand by me uh the synthesizer music the way they even they scored the yeah. the commercial so like a john carpenter kind of thing yeah it's very like um anyways you know i i, mm, I just feel like it's like ugh, and shit yeah give the duffer brothers more money yeah. Give the Duffer Brothers more movie to make more money to make Stranger Things and other sci-fi products like films and stuff like that because they 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 have a backbone. Yeah, they're they're gonna sure. borrow the right amount of something and create something amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know whoever makes DOA, give them more money. Yeah, give them more money. Not not just renew for another season. Give them a lot of money. Yeah, you know who should be getting more horror movie or more money horror movies. Yeah. There's my segue into the next <laughs> section. So, Todd, um, let's talk about the next thing I wanted to bring up was, what are your five top five horror movies of all time? What are your favorites and you think? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit by uh, mentioning more than one movie from the same franchise, I guess. But um, A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 3. What, you don't like 2? I love them all, actually. Okay. I, I love them for the reasons three that 3 was great. Yeah, that's Dream Warriors, right? Yes. Yeah, that's probably one of the best horror movies of all time. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like that. There's this 
gang of teens that think they can beat him, but I love how it pays off because no, they can't. Yeah, <laughs> basically, and they sort of they they expand on the myth of what Freddy Krueger is yeah. and why he's there, which later movies do even more so. Or they just keep adding to it to make something happen that wouldn't have happened unless they said, oh, no, because Freddy was made this way. You can kill him like that. Um, but Wes Craven directed both those. And, of course, he directed... Did he do the third one? He he directed the third one. Oh, I didn't know he did the third one. I know he did the first one. and then uh, I thought he did the first one, and then he didn't come back to Wes Craven's new nightmare. No, he did come back for that, but it's ironic that... He came back and was like, you know, I, I came back to direct the third one because I didn't like where they went with the, with the yeah. story in the second one. I didn't like seeing something I created be taken in a direction that I was not. Anyway, I did the third one and then I let it go again and they made a few other movies. Like, yeah. okay, well, if you really cared about it, like if you really cared about your vision being true to the thing that, why did you do, why didn't you do four and five and six? Right. Because um, he, he cared for one more movie and then he stopped caring again. Um, New Nightmare was great too, but it for me it's not a classic. Yeah, he did that like right before he did the first Scream movie. Okay, so between those two, I think Scream had a bigger impact for him. There's a really good documentary about the making of Nightmare on Elm Street, and watching the documentary, I can't remember what it's called, but if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. But nothing makes you want to make video or film more than watching the makings of the Nightmare on Elm Street because oh yeah, you know New Line Cinema started out to do the first one. That's yeah. basically the founding of New Line Cinema. That's the house that Freddie built, as they say. Yeah, the house that Freddie built. Yeah, which spawned went off to do many other great things, including uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh. What's cool was like after the success of the first one, uh, they were like, okay, we got to do a second one now because New Line wants to make more money. And they literally like, who wants to direct? And it was like the first person in the office that put up their hand was like, I'll direct it. And I can't remember the person's name that did the second one. I, I feel like it's the same person who did Die Hard too. Pro- yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah. Went off to do uh, other things, but that's how they started. I think they were like a mail clerk or something simple like that. <laughs> I could, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something very simple. And they're like, yeah, I'll do the second one. And they, and they did it. And we got the second Nightmare on Elm Street. And yeah. it's cool watching how they changed all the different directors throughout um, there. And you really get a sense of different style styles yeah. of directing through the Nightmare on Elm Street series, right? Everybody was so different on it, which is cool. And I like them all because as long as you had Robert England yeah. donning the thing and um, as long as they were all '80s, which they just all inherently were, because mm-hmm. it was they were all pretty much fairly low budget movies. Yeah, they weren't they weren't big budget films, that, and it was neat to see like how they made do with what they had to, you know. Yeah, it was. A, it's definitely an art form. It's definitely something that was pretty cool. Cool. A lot of people don't like it. I like Freddy vs. Jason too. That's not. I part, love Freddy vs. Jason. It's not part of my list, but it was nice seeing. What they could do in the yeah. 21st century with Robert England, with yeah, um, it's sort of it it it's definitely not in the land of the remake era, but it's it a f- quite a few years ahead of the classic era, so it's like right in between, right in this right. uncomfortable spot. But I was 18 when it came out, and it was really exciting because that was the first one that I knew about being in the theater. Yeah, I remember like as a kid, that was always the big like, are they going to do a Freddy versus Jason? Freddy versus Jason, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think after New Line bought out uh, Platinum Dunes. Right. I think that's how it worked out. That's when they decided to do it. And there was some kind of cliffhanger in, in Jason Goes to Hell where you see Freddy's hand come up and laugh, and that's the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. That's a good cliffhanger. That was that was the probably the least... Actually, you know what? I think out of the Friday 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan was actually the biggest failure. Really not Jason X, that piece of shit? I've seen them all. I, I think they're horrible. 
Um, and I can't even link them ironically, but I've watched them all yeah. in in order in a weekend because I just want to. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, Jason. Because I think of him as iconic, but the movies, other than the first one, they all suck and there's no point to them. I'm sorry, but... Um, See, I'm more of a Jason fan than a Freddy Krueger fan. But they fan. don't, like, so all they're doing is territory. remaking the same thing oh, for over sure. and over again. Yeah. There, there's like a little mythology in one, and sorry, in one film over here and another film over here. But otherwise, it's just horny teens getting killed, which is cool, which is cool. But if that's all it's doing. I think there was more to it, though. I mean, Fred, Jason Part 5 was kind of like that. I, it was like an old porn star that directed it or something like that. So when you watch it, <laughs> Not an old porn star, an old porn director. I think he did a bunch of smut films in the 80s and they ended up giving him this contract to do five. And yeah. it's just, it was garbage. I mean, yeah, you have to, I think you, there's a certain kind of fan that loves Friday the 13th. Like, I always liked the Jasons because I always thought Jason was badass. I like, I love, I do like the lore the of Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I loved like where, like how they stuck to it as much as they could throughout the series. Yeah. Which kind of like, you know, everybody that came on the project had a different vision of, of Jason and yeah. it, it changed so much. And it's kind of like a right as you go kind of storyline because the first one, there was no talk of, I mean, other than they're mentioned the, the boy that drowned, Yeah, you know, they had no concept that Jason was going to be the slasher yeah. with the hockey mask. Right. It, it took three, it took three movies for him to become that. And people yeah. just thought, and then people went back even in the late eighties and the nineties and they're watching the first Friday the 13th and like, where's Jason? Yeah. No, the killer is Miss Voorhees. And then in the second one, he's got like a paper bag mask. He's not even. Yeah, like, he had the paper bag mask, which is that there's that Friday 13th game coming out where it's like they have the different Jasons. Yeah. I, I was supposed to come out last Halloween. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's literally like an online game where you, I think it's like seven or eight people spawn in and one person's Jason and then the rest are counselors. Right. And so, either you have to like fight Jason or survive. And they have like all this screen footage of like the different genres of Jasons. So you have like, you know, paper bag Jason and yeah. you have like you know, old decrepit Jason six kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give that idea an A for originality. Yeah. Like the escapist. It's like a, a 16 bit <clears throat> game about prison break. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I want, I want to get to your, to your list soon. So I'll just go through the rest of my list um, or just get to the next one. Sure. Uh, we have talked about Stanley Kubrick before, and I think the shining is one of the oh, best. Yeah. Fantastic. Films. Fantastic. Um, it's a little bit out in date. For, for some reasons, but not for me. Like, if you watched it close enough to the 90s and 80s, it's never going to be out of date. So, you know, fuck the millennials. Um, the House on Haunted Hill, the remake. The year 2000, so it's it's still falling just at the edge of the 20th oh, century. Oh, that's with... Uh... Fomka Jansen, Chris Kattan from A Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeffrey Rush. Um... Miss Vaughn from Billy Madison. I forget, I forget her name. Bridget Wilson. And she was um, the wife, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, Fomka Jansen was the wife. Bridget Wilson was just, I don't know, eye candy or just oh, or yeah. a reporter. I uh, can't remember who else was in it. I think that's, oh, uh, Tay Diggs um, for, um, for diversity. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he, he, he was getting into acting. You know, that was a film that was definitely put together. Like, can we get these people on a project? Oh, someone wants to do a remake of House on Haunted Hill. We don't really care that much. Get some hot people in it. Um, And it was right around the time that The Cell came out. So that sort of, that first exploration of 
CGI art in right. a horror film and yeah. absurdist fast fast motion slow motion weirdo kind of stuff way before the ring way before a million movies did the same thing but it was like the cell was the first one that imaginatively did that mm-hmm. and house on haunted hill was the first real real horror horror film mm-hmm. that just went to creep you out as much as possible with that same kind of uh i don't know style yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was one scene, and it was just like the guy's looking at a thing, and a bunch of dead doctor ghosts start staring at him in slow motion. Like, something like that is psychologically uh, mm-hmm. pretty thrilling. Um, and um, I can't decide between the two. I'm going to no, I'm gonna knock that one out there. The Exorcist, the original Exorcist. Yeah. Um, it's just a really great film. Mm-hmm. And... When I first saw it, like I still sort of had a vague sense of yeah, a vague sense of Catholicism in me, just a little bit, right before I wiped it off. And so most films are based on the the idea of there being a hell or an afterlife, which you have to believe in yeah. a belief system to to really dig. But I I dug The Exorcist quite a bit for for being a story, and you could sort of. This, maybe this could happen while you're watching it. You just, you just gave yourself that. It freaked a lot of people out when it came out at the time. And I think part of it was they kind of had asked the question, if there's a hell and a devil and an evil spirit, are there going to be boundaries? And they're like, no, he's, this person's going to be a horrible person. So you can see like the dialogue that she delivers and stuff like yeah. that. Like, and there's know. also the dramatic real sense of like, what would happen if you, if you were uh, a mother Yeah, and this was happening to your child. Yeah. Um, and Ouija boards. Ouija boards. Funny story about Ouija boards. Um, this week, I've been trying to recruit people because I want to do a video. Um, so, like, the science behind the Ouija board is basically there's two things that are in play. There's something called the ideomotor effect. I think I said it right. I can never say it right. But um, anyways, and that is the knee or it's the um, it's when your subconscious moves your body without your conscious knowing. Right. Right. And the other factor that plays in is the need to have an answer. So, like, you ask a question and um, you're, if you have a group of people, normally one kind of breaks that whole symmetry thing and it starts moving and then everybody else kind of follows and you, everybody doesn't realize that it's moving because your subconscious is kind of disconnected from your conscious. And, right. Yeah. And so it's really you. Talking. It's really you using. And the way we prove this is you ask a series of questions, you get your spooky answers, and then you blindfold everybody in the group and wa- ask the same questions and watch where it goes. And because the, the eyes now can't see where everything is, it starts to go to more random places on the board. So yeah. that tells us that, you know, obviously it's not um, a science thing or a, it's not a spiritual thing. It's a, there's, there's something mentally happening here, something right. that's happening within us, not external. Anyways, I try to tell people this yeah. and people I've... are like, no way. Like <laughs> my wife is like, there's not, you are not allowed to bring a Ouija board in this house. My mom, um, same thing. She's like, it's evil. It's like, it's not, I can, you know, even bandmates, you know, yeah. they're like, oh no, you know. But it's funny when you tell them you can prove it right away. Anybody that's on the fence that is kind of spiritual will say no. They're like, no, because yeah. there's also the fear of, you know, what if I prove them wrong? You know, Right. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> what if someone just went up to, I don't know, Lil Wayne or whoever it is and just said, no, no, I can prove the earth is round. And then that guy was like, no, I ain't, I ain't going up in no spaceship. I just want to tweet. By the way, another another thing that, I mean, you could read, you could read, read about this but you you see it when you watch the movie but there's another sorry stranger things just going back to that for a second yeah. uh the horror film silent hill 
the, yeah. horror, the horror game and film Silent Hill sort of uh, that's like another thing the upside down world like the the evil opposite of the same yeah. world which is sort of a weird thing I'm like okay how, how come the evil world only exists in the small town um, but yeah. anyway um, and actually um, Silent Hill was filmed in Brantford yeah because uh, Brantford is a town close to where we live um, and they have like a lot of heritage laws when it comes to buildings they have a lot of these old looking buildings and uh, so they use they use that for things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's filmed there, and uh, and um, Silent Hill, and it's really cool when you drive down the one strip there. You see all these houses, and you see a school, and you realize, holy shit, that's the that's the house from Silent Hill, or that's the school from Silent Hill. And yeah, it, it's really really neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, <clears throat> my last film or my last spot for top five horror movies is just anything by David Lynch because yeah. he's. He's absurdist and abstract as fuck, but you know by the time you're finished watching anything he's done, or even just one scene can like make you feel weird or on edge for days. Mm. For me, that happens. Do you have an in particular movie? Um, um, let's see. There, there's three I'm thinking of. I know. I know. Lost Highway did that to me a bit. There's this guy in the movie Lost Highway with with Bill per- Bill Pullman and played sax player Patricia Arquette. He plays a sax player. Yeah, Bill Pullman is, uh, he plays like, yeah. he's a crazy sax player. I remember watching that in high school, and I watched it a few times, and I I, I still don't know what the hell's going on. I know. It's really good. That's the point of his movies. You don't really know what's going on. You just know that you're drawn in enough to is, be disturbed. Did Trent Reznor do the soundtrack for that one? He did songs for the soundtrack. Okay. Um, Angelo Badalamenti, who does movie scoring, he does the, the scoring for it. Um, cool. And Patricia Arquette's in it. And you watch it, and you're like, "Whoa, this is not Bill Pullman from Spaceballs and Newsies." Yeah. Um, and then there's Mulholland Drive, yeah, with Naomi Watts and Laura Herring and other people. Uh, it's got some disturbing scenes. Probably primarily the last scene in the movie is the most disturbing. But I'd say the freakiest, the freakiest of all his movies, like those two, Dune, of all of his movies, the prequel movie to his series Twin Peaks is called Fire Walk with Me. Right. And it has the a first half of the movie that is, is nothing to do with, with what you see on the show. It's just police just outside of the town. And David Bowie's in a scene in it. And it makes no sense. It's disturbing. And then you get into the town where the girl that's like dead at the beginning of Twin Peaks. I'm not going to give anything away, but this is sort of the idea that Riverdale fucking ripped off. But Okay. Okay, never okay. mind. I, I know what you're saying there, yeah. No, R- R- Riverdale's entertaining and it sucked me in, but it's a delusional piece of shit that's not based on anything of substance or originality. Um, but Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, there's a scene that sort of gives you the supernatural undertones of what's going on in the whole show mm-hmm. when you watch Twin Peaks the two seasons later on, which are supposedly returning for another thing on Netflix yeah. soon. Um, and David Lynch is just a great mastermind. He does he does videos for Nine Inch Nails. There's a reason why you watch these movies, and you can't even describe why you're being freaked out by what you're seeing and hearing. But he's he works on that subconscious level of mm-hmm. um, what is psychologically stimulate, st- stimulating in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, patterns, colors, sounds, yeah, facial expressions, and there are so many scenes in fire walk with me that just like you're left sitting there for five minutes, just being freaked the fuck out, but you can't look away. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. 
that that's why it's scary. I All can't. Right. I can't really. Do, it's not a monster. It's not. I don't know. I have to. Okay, so I have to get into Twin Peaks because I've been. That's been a show on my list for years, and yeah. I just never had. Um, I always forget it when I find a new show. I'm like, okay, I got to find something, and I put on something else. But Twin Peaks is on my list. Have you yeah. seen it? Have you watched the whole series? I, I watched the first season and a bit of the second season when I when I was able to borrow it from someone, yeah. and I haven't I haven't had a chance to find it anywhere. And I'm just gonna say we'll get into this, but I just do want to get off my chest that the moment I saw the first episode of Riverdale, I knew exactly what they were ripping off. Because my friend um, Steve Holler was telling me about Riverdale and how he loves it, and he was explaining it to me. I'm like, I'm like, this sounds like Twin Peaks. Like, me, it's nine oh two one oh. Yeah, it's it. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna watch Twin Peaks first, then I'm gonna watch Riverdale, and then I'll compare it. It's based on the more adult Archie comic that came. It th- I think it's called Riverdale, but I know it's yeah. I know it's based on the Archie thing. But it, you but, see, but, it has. I have no interest in that. I never had interest in Archie, so it's like the comic fans did though. They yeah. wanted to see what it would be like if they introduced a gay character and had it more modernized and it was more for adults and teens right. than the stuff that was always for kids and the adults that grew up with it when they were kids in the 50s and shit. But um, so th- this show is based on that because you can't not sell a show like Pretty Little Liars. Get a bunch of pretty people in a, in a small town that would never exist that's only beautiful people and somehow a big story revolves around them and they all have secrets and yeah it's so full of shit and they just like you can tell that they're forcing things into the show that wouldn't happen just for the sake of selling it and pandering to people right. like it's pseudo 50s but it's modern mm-hmm. give me a break but i love it for some of the reasons that i hate it and for reasons that i want to know what the fuck's going on i did not yeah. watch and put up with the first episode to not know what's going on right but there's skeet ulrich uh came back luke perry came back yeah they all just came up out of the woodwork to to be in the show it's it's worth a watch but i hate it (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough 